Donnie Gilbert, what's up, man? Doing good, sir. Friday, Ray, take the. Our, is, this is our first weekend in 2024, isn't it? This is our first weekend in 2024. It is. I just gotta retweet this out to the uh, glitterati out there in social media land. Let me get the what the truck one too, because my boy Justin hasn't got it yet. Justin, I'm quicker than you today. Nailed it up there. So thank you all for joining us on Twitter, on TikTok, YouTube, wherever you're coming in from. This is a good time. You just mentioned 2024. You get anything good for Christmas? Absolutely. Uh, rest, you know, rest? At, at, at 44, you know, that's, that's, that's plenty right there. That's what a, you need a day off. Uh, my wife spends Christmas Eve with her parents. So I got to stay at home by myself and it was wonderful. Beautiful stuff. Well, you know what my parents gave me? What was that? Look, take a look. They gave me a meme. It says, <laughs> it says, <laughs> so you have time to tweet, but don't have time to answer my text. It's the Kermit, the frog drinking the that's, tea. That. And he said, but that's none of my business. Yes, that's exactly why none of my parents are on my social media. They're not? Should I block them? Uh, you may, maybe you just got busted. It's what happened. I'm not going to block you, mom and dad. <laughs> Sometimes, though, like, they got to realize, like, I'm, you know, like, I'm working. I understand it's social media, but, like, my job involves social media. So, like, I am working, even though it may look fun, mom yeah, and dad. I did uh, take a phone call here one time while working, and uh, they they kind of got on to me and said, you know, your wife calls, that mean you, that you can answer during work. I said, that's not my wife. I wouldn't have answered. That was my <laughs> mom, and I was scared not to. You got it, man. You don't, <laughs> you don't need the guilt. You don't need the guilt trip. Should we guilt trip Volvo? The Volvo is using a hashtag, which incorporates our name. They got the What the Truck tag. Um, we are not involved in this promotion with them, but they're debuting this new truck. When I took the screenshot, I, it might be today, the all-new Volvo NIL. I took the screenshot yesterday when there was like, I don't know, 19 hours left. Or maybe that's 19 days. I'm not really sure. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll push traffic towards your page anyway. They, they should, yeah, they should, and they should sponsor us, Volvo. They put, should put, put a name on it. Volvo's a oh, uh, I'll keep it. Uh, I'll keep it PG. Volvo's a great truck. Volvo's a great truck. Yeah, Volvo. I mean Volvo knows what they're doing now. Yeah. People don't like the style. Everybody wants that Peterbilt three seventy nine or whatever. That, that that's a mean looking truck with a mean looking engine. Now shout out to Steam Logistics. Thank you guys very much. You left a, a gift. Uh, bag on my table and they gave me a steam logistics wooden yo-yo now my question for you donnie is do you know how to yo-yo oh man it's been like 20 years come on give uh, it a shot uh, give it a shot years. it's been um it's been closer to probably 30 years there's a good reason i'm not doing the steam logistics logo myself on air because i did it backstage and i uh, it just hit the ground it just bounced just just stick your finger in there and roll it man i can't my fingers are too just big hold it, like can you pinch it here you go what do we got no no i can i can cheat but anyways i didn't work out all right, well, let's get down into it. On today's episode of What the Truck, we're talking to G Captain's John Conrad Five about the escalating conflict in the Red Sea and how it is already impacting freight. Freightways market expert yourself, Donnie Gilbert, you're going to break down the trucking data, driving rates. We'll look at uh, capacity if it's leaving the market, accelerated pace, is it helping it all. We'll look at volumes, we'll look at rates, we'll look at all that stuff. We've got the road to autonomy's Grayson Brulty. He's going to talk about this year in autonomous trucking. If you remember last year, a lot of companies went into business. Some companies like Kodiak made big strides. Rides. Um, uh, there's one company, Aurora, I believe, they, they're taking out safety drivers in their trucks this year. So a lot going on in that space. Reliance Partners, Jesse Merritt's in the house. She's talking about the Tennessee Trucking Association. Plus, did you know there's a new chat, a uh, Nuga, Young Professionals Council? 
I did not, but I'm glad to know that you can finally pronounce Chattanooga the proper proper way. It's taking a lot of work, man. I go to there's, speech therapy. You have to when you're an asshole. There's an A in there. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, cat goes missing on a long haul. They found that cat, though. You shouldn't take your 30 at the fuel island. German farmers are striking back and why everybody wants a Stanley water bottle. I don't know if you're at Target here in Chattanooga fighting over those things, but they're a big deal, Don. Yeah, uh, water bottle. Okay, water bottle. Water bottle. If that's what you choose to use it for. Water bottle. <laughs> that's what I really call it. All right, Donnie, let's get into it. What is going on in trucking right now? It's brand new. Is it new year, new market, or nah? No. Um, um, let's look at outbound tender volumes. Yeah. What are we seeing? Right, so here we show the blue lines, our tender volumes. Of course, we have a seven-day rolling average dooner. So with Christmas and New Year's, we show it down for 14 days because we've got a couple of zero days in there because no freight booked on Christmas or uh, New Year's, but you see it's headed it's headed back up. So once we get past the seventh, you'll see it actually correct itself back up. But we see volumes are, are, are headed up right now, just a little bit. Of course, after about the tenth or twelfth, you see volumes were headed down in December. That's because all that was just back stocking for the retail part. So we volumes started to decline. Everything was already on the shelves for Christmas. We'll see it pick back up a little bit, maybe through January fifteenth. Yeah, but February and March are going to be tough months coming up now rejection rates got kind of show us the direction of, of spot rates yeah it's headed back down it peaked up there at a little bit over five percent that's the I red line right yeah i didn't think it was even gonna make five percent but it did and it started drifting back down we're now down to 4.55 percent and it's headed down sharply um that's because our rates our spot rates are going to be heading back down as well mm. um and expect that it, these these picks are going to be really short because this is a shipper controlled environment right now yeah and we have still way too much capacity i mean it, so it's not like let's take a look at rates here we're not seeing amazing numbers here we didn't see a great tender reject rate uh we got a blue and a, and a yellow line on this this chart yes yeah, so the rates so the blue line that's our seven day rolling average for our nti uh national truck load index for freight waves and it's a it's a aggregate of several lanes that are that are busy busy lanes and we showed two dollars and 43 cents that is not the national average of the actual um spot rates but that's a number that we use and what's important to know is when it goes up it goes up when it goes down it goes down mm. so i'm not saying that every lane is averaging 243 no some are five dollars a mile because they're shorter some are dollar 35 because it might be coast to coast but this is a very good tool to use to see what direction or spot market spot market freight's going and around the 19th of december they started going up uh and they went up about 20 or like i think like 19 cents to um $2.43. Well, now it's plateaued and it's starting to go back down. That green line or yellow line, as you call it, is our daily, the actual dailies. Okay. Well, you see the last couple of days have been below, well below that average of 243, looking at 236, 230. Well, once we knock off that big line that jumped up to 265, which was New Year's Day, yeah, we're going to see our NTI start to go downhill very, very quickly. <clears throat> but we've already kind of bottomed out on the spot market side. This is our spike for Christmas. It was expected to go higher, but yeah. it didn't. It's been a very mute fourth quarter, and that's what's expected. And when you have a market like this that has way too much capacity, instead of having a big, uh, long increase in rates, it's going to be very short with a spike and back down. So the heartbeat is dead right there. We're at 243. It's just a straight, flat line. Does that go up? Where do we end at the end of the quarter in spot rates if you had to predict right now? It's 243 right now. Oh, I think we're going to be back down around that, that 220 mark, 222. Oh, it's going to get worse. Yeah, it's going to go down from here. This is, yeah. this, this is the peak. Uh, that 243, that is the peak. Yeah. That's the best we're going to, that's the best we're going to do. And it's going to head back down from there. It's going to be like mid-November all over again.
it should be <laughs> mid November was was tough, but it, it, yeah, it's it's January, February, and March are really tough months. How about fuel? That's something that's been putting a lot of pressure, especially on smaller carriers, the ones that don't have the same baked in fuel surcharges. There's been a lot of yeah. issues over there. It's been a lot of pressure put on drivers. What are we seeing in fuel? It's it's putting a lot of pressure on contracted rates too, because yeah. or contracts because it's pushing these big carriers to to push to accept all their contracted freight because they get that fuel surcharge. Well, now I was watching. I was hoping we were going to drop below $4 today, but we did not. We're at 4.003. It's been taking about two days to knock off a cent. Mm. So um, we didn't make it, but tomorrow, by tomorrow, probably under $3, but or $4 at $3.99. But this is still way, too, way, way, way too high. And this is putting a huge burden on these drivers. Uh, now, you, now, this is an average. You get to California, it's six, you know, $6. And... I don't know how those drivers are making it out there. Um, so here they're buying their second biggest expense is fuel. Yeah. This is killing them. And this what this is going to do is these guys are hanging in there trying to keep their companies open and they're paying these fuel expenses. Well, the longer they stay in, it's going to, the ones who, who are actually going to survive all this. Yeah. It's just hurting them worse and worse. Not all are. Look at the carrier detail net changes in a trucking authorities. And it looks like this, when you see that first big dip in December, it looks like a lot of companies did their books and they were like looking at the end of the year and they're like, they tapped out. We're yeah. done. And then we have another big drop coming right now. So that first big drop, that was actually a a, uh, a batching error. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it, what they did was they didn't – there should have been some more uh, carriers that went out in previous few weeks. Okay. And they missed them. They just batched it all there at the end. Uh, so, But that's still oh, – if you add them off, it's still a true number. Yeah. It's just, it shows higher in one week than it actually it was. It just looks more pronounced on that particular case. Yeah. But we were averaging about – you know, I did an average, and we were averaging 460 a week. Well, on this last couple of weeks of December, you see it's down it's down quite a bit, all the way down to, uh, I think, the last week in December is 1194, negative 1194. And I is think, that a true number? Is that the number of uh, authorities that went out? Yeah, and the yeah. one behind that somewhere probably in the 900 range. Wow. Uh, they're starting to pick up, and I do expect this to pick up um, in January and February. But one reason this could pick up, I mean, it's still true, but some of these drivers might have been having their insurance expire at the end of the year. Yeah. So here it expired. Are they going to renew for next year? The answer just might be no. Mm. So that could be a reason to be pushed down as well. But they, they're still, it's true, they're out of business. Interesting. So, Donnie, when we look at a chart like this, though, just for some clarity, is this like one for one with trucks? What is it saying about trucking okay. authorities? What's that represent? So the reason we use trucking authorities, let's say I'm the old man who drove for 30 years. When I retire, I might keep my MC number. Yeah. It, it's not very expensive to keep. But I'm, you know, if we measured MC numbers, that would be, it could be very inaccurate. But if my trucking authority, I'm going to go ahead and let that go because to have an active trucking authority, you have to have active insurance. And for one truck alone, that's very expensive. Mm. Now, is an authority one truck? Because a lot of people, owner operators, have their own company, LLC, that they run their company under. The majority of them probably are one truck. But if you look at these big companies, like maybe Schneider for their drive-in, they, they may only have one authority and several thousands of trucks. Yeah. So I can't say that it's one-to-one. The majority probably is smaller trucking companies and owner-operators as they enter this business. Uh, but remember, you can have any number amount of trucks under one operating authority. So, uh, But I would say 90% are probably one to five trucks. Now, Donnie, before I let you go, my next guest, he's big into autonomous trucks. Is this the year? Is this the year that autonomous trucks have any measurable impact on rates? Uh, I, I think before we get fully 
engulfed where they're having an impact. We're going to have to have a lot more laws changed to yeah. allow a lot of this. So uh, they're getting there. They, they, they have to be doing what they're doing right now yeah. to push all this forward. So if they weren't, then it would never happen. Yeah, I don't but, think pilot program freight is, at, at the moment, I don't think it's anything to necessarily worry about. They're, they're getting yeah. these off the ground. They're working in partnerships. They're specialized lanes, things yeah, like that. Yeah, but it's not going to happen in a day. So they've got to be getting these strides. They've got to be going back to the National Transportation Safety Board and showing them what they can and can't do yeah. and getting approvals and getting tests done and then showing that this is possible and to do safely. And and even when they get it done and get it passed, there's still going to be some accidents of flaws. They'll get them fixed. It's going to happen, but it's not going to happen in 2024, but they'll get a lot. They'll get a lot of progress towards that in 2024. Well, Hey, Donnie, happy 2024 to you. Thank you so much for uh, stopping by yep. the show today and giving us some clarity on what's going on in the market. Unfortunately, new year, new market, not really the case. Yep. Still same old, we're, we're, we're close to the previous year. We're actually a little bit below it right now in volumes, but expect it. A lot of trends to be the same. All right. Thank you, sir. Weather the storm, people. You heard it from Donnie right here. Meanwhile. Yo. Reed. Reed Lucilo says uh, when the logistics manager says they're only onboarding asset carriers. And, uh, Joe Seppi says real truckers when they see me walking into Love's. In Crocs. Oh, and the ATA. Sorry, Freight Bandit says me at the ATA's annual conference when they bring up the truck driver shortage. Hey, little cowbell for all three of you. Great, great job. All right, Grayson Brulty, founder, CEO, The Road to Autonomy. Grayson, you look great today, man. Thanks. Happy New Year, sir. That was one heck of a video to, to kick this segment off. It was. You ever, you ever dive over anything at anybody? You ever do like a full-on crossbody? It hurts. I'm getting old. It hurts. <laughs> it does, man. I got out of my chair today to walk over to this desk, and I only had to walk like 15 yards. And I think I like pulled the small of my back because I'm sitting here. I'm like, damn, what is going on back there? This is just stuff you don't have to worry about when you're 20. No, and now you're going to have to go to the chiropractor. When you were 20, you're like, ah, oh, it's okay. I'll be fine. Yeah. Well, hey, you're sometimes a controversial guest because not all my guests love autonomous trucks, especially the truck drivers. But I think it's important to cover it. And even if you don't like them, it's important to know. I mean, know your enemy, know what's coming down the pike. And if you do like them, you want to know what's happening in the space. But you are your ears are to the tracks on this one. Before we even get into anything, let me ask you, what are you excited about in 2024 in autonomous trucking? There was even some big news today about co-pilots getting out of trucks. I'm excited for this. It's the year of commercialization, and, I, and yes, I'm, I'm. Could you consider me a controversial guest to your audience? Yes, hundred percent. Yes, but I want to say to your audience and the, to the men and women that work hard in the, in the trucking, in traditional trucking industry, autonomous trucks are going to complement the autonomous the trucking industry. We are not going to take away jobs. We are going to complement them. And if Donnie laid out some really good data, we're going to help shore up the supply chain. We're going to help shore up the rates, and we're going to complement you. I want that to be said to start. What I'm really excited for is commercialization. You mentioned the Bloomberg article that you were very kindly put on X. It's Gaddock, Kodiak, and Aurora have th one thing in common. They're operating as a business. Autonomous trucking in 2024 is becoming a business, and it's going to scale. And by the end of the decade, we will see an impact on rates, and it's going to be very exciting to watch and be very impactful on the industry. Is this a make or break year? Last year was tough for every startup. Uh, EV trucks had a lot of issues. We lost some autonomous startups that were coming up. Uh, was Embark was one of them we lost. Uh, Too Simple got sent back to China. But we also saw some companies like Kodiak and the Torques of the world really increase their presence, and they seem to be trudging forward. I know you just talked to the Kodiak team. What do you like about the current field of players? 
I like the leadership of the current field. I mean, it really, it really comes down to leadership. And you mentioned the Kodiak team. I had James Reed, um, COO of Kodiak recently on the podcast. And Mr. Reed is really interesting. He was a, a, a divisional CFO at WAM who went to the 2008 financial crisis. And I asked Mr. Reed, how do you manage for all these different scenarios? Nobody really saw a 2008 financial crisis coming, the mortgage crisis that was engulfed in that. How do you plan for that? And Mr. Reed was very strategic said scenario planning. And that's what we're doing at Kodiak. We're planning for every scenario that could possibly happen. Give you another e example from history. If you look at what, when Mike Bloomberg started Bloomberg, all the different scenario plannings when he was left Solomon Smith Barney, all the different situations that Bloomberg can run into. And that's what you're seeing with the autonomous trucking companies that are left today with Gaddock, Kodiak, and Aurora. They're scenario planning. They're all preparing for drive route and they're preparing for the, the what if scenarios. Gaddock, Kodiak are private. And they have very solid investors that are backing up. Aurora is in the public markets. But what Aurora has is they have a very strong partnership with Continental. It's not a make or break year. You shouldn't look at it that way for autonomy and autonomous trucking. It is a growth year. The industry is entering the growth years. It went from making minimal millions of dollars. Now we're going to make tens of millions of dollars. And by 2026, if I'm back on here, we're making hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars in revenue. The revenue engine is turning on in 2024. And that's the really exciting part. What about the existential dread of the American public and uh, and regulators? For example, according to The Verge, polling conducted on AB 316, it moved through California's legislator uh, last year. They found that close to 80 percent of likely voters in the state would be uncomfortable with heavy driverless trucks on roads and freeways. We also saw what happened with crews, right? They start to expand crews. They bring them down to Atlanta. They take the drivers out uh, and they start charging for rides in San Francisco. Pedestrian gets hit. And now that company is in a world of hurt. Is this one accident this year when they take these co-pilots out, it could set a company, it could set the industry back, could it not? Why why look at it that way? Why not look at the positive? It's just if you look at the media, let's get into economics here for a minute. You talk to reporters, you, you talk to ad teams, why do they publish all those negative misleading headlines? It generates ad revenue. Let's look at the controversial company, look at Tesla. Look at the amount of ad revenue that Tesla generates from, from all the negative headlines. Why don't we start diving into the economics of why there's so much negativity surrounding us? The media is influencing the public's perception around autonomy. And as an industry, I've been advocating for a while now to come together and meet the public, show the positive economic benefits. This economy, despite where the stock market is and the S&P 500 close to an all-time high, Main Street's suffering. The, the stock market's doing well, but Main Street's suffering. The interest rates are starting to hit. You're starting to see some breakage now in the in the car loans. And in my prediction, and I'll publicly say it, I believe by March, you will start to see a massive increase in, in credit card defaults. The American public is suffering under the high burdens of inflation. And with a very strong jobs report, the Fed Reserve is not going to cut interest rates in the first half of 2024, which is going to further extend the pain. A way to bring down inflation and help the American consumer is autonomous trucking. What if we were sitting around and we're, we're in Chattanooga, and I hope I said that right, and we're at, we're at your local grocery store, and everything was there was brought to you by an autonomous truck, and everything was 25% off because of the efficiencies of autonomy. Think about the positive economic benefits of the community that would have. That's a story that as an industry we collectively have to tell because that's meaningful, dollars and cents. And on the backside of that, I'm a big kid at heart, as you know, Dooner, autonomous trucks have to play the honk game. So if I'm going down the and down the highway with my family in a car, you're going down the highway with your family. How great would it be our kids can go honk honk, and the, and the truck plays a game with them, all virtual, augmented reality. Now the kids have the trust. 
you might say, well, what does that have to do with it? Well, I'm going to go back in history. Let's look at Ruth Hadler. Ruth Hadler was the founder of Mattel, very famously known for creating Barbie. Huge success last year at the box office, the Barbie movie. How did she do it? She marketed directly to children. Well, how? She bought the ads on the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Because before that, the parents influenced what the buying was, not the children. Now children are coming, Mom, Dad, I like a Barbie. I like a Barbie. I like a Ken doll. And look what happened. It changed the world. And that's what I'm advocating for the autonomous trucking industry to do. Go to the American public, show the positive benefits of technology, and then go to the children, embrace their imagination. Because they can become our engineers one day. They can build these companies. They can go on to change the world. We just have to take that first step. Grayson, speaking of pink with Barbie, now you got me thinking in your shirt right there. Can't help but notice it. What did you? Were you in line at Target getting one of those pink Stanley tumblers? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, my, my daughter's got the, the Barbie car and we made it autonomous. It's, you know, Bar, Barbie's awesome. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I love to hear. Hey, what do you think of this particular company? They got the, probably the weirdest looking autonomous trucks. These are these Enride vehicles. Uh, roll the tape if you're not familiar with seeing them. But are you, are you familiar with Enride and do you like them? I am familiar with Enride. I have questions around, around their business model and what they're trying to achieve. I give them a lot of credit for what they're doing. I'm, un, I'm uncertain of, of how the technology will scale because I do not see these vehicles going long haul roads. If you look at the current deployment they're looking at of a GE plant from one side of the road to the other, I'm unsure of the, the model, but I got to give the company a lot of credit where they're doing and now they're pivoting into a software platform. It'll be interesting to watch and see where they go in 24. Well, you have an autonomy index, so this is not financial advice, but if someone were to take an interest or back a company, who is the horse that you're riding into the future? Public markets or private markets? Either one. Like, who, who do you like and who would you want to get involved with? If you're, uh, okay, especially my audience, because my audience can get involved in many ways. They can do fleet partnerships. They can invest. They can do all sorts of different ways of getting involved. So I'll give you the, the public market. The two companies that I'm most interested in the public markets are, are very traditional and well-known to your audience. I'm very bullish on what Daimler Truck is doing, and I'm very bullish on what Volvo is doing. Both have an autonomous solutions technology, and I'm waiting to see how they how they evolve. The big question that I have inside of Volvo is, does Volvo continue to expand their off-road autonomy? Off-road autonomy can be very, very profitable. Volvo is currently doing open pit mining. Will they do underground mining? Will they expand it into other ones? And will Volvo continue to operate Volvo Autonomous Solutions as a service? If yes, I'm looking to see multiple quarters of what that revenue looks like. And then on Daimler, they got the Cascadia. A lot of your uh, audience members drive a Cascadia, own the Cascadia. They're, they're really great trucks. Does, what does Daimler do with Torque is, is the big question I have. Do they merge it into Torque and make a Daimler Autonomous Solutions and really accelerate the revenue? That's what I'm watching. I like those two companies from, from that perspective. And then on, on the private market perspective, I'm very bullish on Kodiak and I'm very bullish on Gaddock. They, they both fit an issue. Let's look at Gaddock. For all, all practical purposes, Gaddock has a monopoly. They, they have no competitors in what they're doing in the last mile. They have really great partnerships with Walmart and Kroger, consistent revenue. And then you have Kodiak. It's interesting because they have the DOD business. The government's not going to default. The DOD business can grow. Look at Northrop Grumman. Look at Lockheed Martin for any business there. That becomes billions of dollars in revenue. And then they have their own highway technology. But outside of that for Kodiak is the sensor pods. Can Kodiak in the future license the sensor pods? Does that become the future of the company? That's very interesting. If they can license those sensor pods... The company has a multi-billion dollar business right there. So there's three businesses inside of Kodiak, and that's why I'm very bullish on them. 
Grayson, thank you so much for bringing some clarity to this market. You, you have an amazing podcast that my listeners, if they enjoy the autonomous side of this or they just want to know more information about what could be coming, where do I send them to to go hear that? Uh, it's The Road to Autonomy. We're on Apple and we're on Spotify. You can go to roadtoautonomy.com. And, and Dooner, let's, let's have you on again, Sarah. Let's have you on again. And let's talk all things trucking from, from your perspective. And my audience can be educated about the, the wonderful job that the men and women are doing in the trucking industry. Let's get after it. We'll talk online afterwards. Awesome. Take care, sir. Thank you so much. Take care. Happy, happy new year. I think today's today is also like the official last day. You can, um, you can wish someone a happy new year. It's getting, it starts becoming a little long in the tooth. A lot of polls have been going around. I say it's like the last Friday of uh, the first week of the new year elsewhere. Well, the audience was enjoying that dog. Jesse Merritt, EVP of Sales over Alliance Partners, just came up and she gave me a brand new hat. Honey, this, this will look good in, in my closet if, <laughs> if I don't already have enough. No, this is a, this is a sharp one. I like kind of yeah, like I, I like kind of like the baseball style too. I do too. I do too. That's well, a Ronald Ramsey special. Now, last time we talked, you were you were virtual because you were in Nashville, but you work with Reliance, who are Chattanooga based. Yeah, that's right. So Reliance Partners is based in Chattanooga. I'm in the Nashville office. Um, so yeah, try to make it into town as much as possible. And today you're here to give us some information on what's going down with the Tennessee Trucking Association. There's now a Chattanooga Young Professionals Council, a lot of exciting stuff we didn't get to touch on last time. So set the table for us. What's, what's good in 24 with yeah. the Tennessee Trucking Association? Yeah. Okay. Can do. So the Tennessee Trucking Association founded a Young Professionals Council in Nashville in 2018. And that's been really popular. I'll explain exactly what the premise of it is, but we have expanded into Knoxville and now Chattanooga. And so uh, Matt Nearney with McKee Foods is the chairman of the new Chattanooga chapter. Uh, they have a Top Golf event coming up January 25th from 6 to 8 p.m. I'll send you the details. Um, so, yeah, you know, the whole point of the Young Professionals Council is to bring awareness to the jobs that are available in transportation outside of truck driving. You know, obviously we need truck drivers, um, but there's so many career paths in transportation that I just don't think teenagers are aware of. Nobody came yeah. to my high school and said, um, you can be an insurance broker and specialize in transportation and it be a great living. So um, we go around to area high schools and, you know, talk to the kids about, you know, it's great to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, but um, there are a lot of career paths um, that are in transportation outside of that. And, you know, a lot of them don't require a college degree. So yeah. um, I, I think that that kind of exposure and, you know, telling kids what's available to them is really important. Yeah, you know, you make a great point. So many of us are multi-generational in this because it's kind of a shadow industry. You don't, yes. I mean, maybe more so since like the Suez Canal and what's going on in the right, like people hear about supply chain a little bit more in this decade than they had in previous ones. But before right. it was very much a shadow world that you would never, think of unless you had a family member i know for me i worked in the music industry before coming here and i found that like it's the kind you were in the music industry yeah. too yeah. oh like in nashville uh-huh oh did you sign any like big country stars uh yeah a little bit that's a story for another day trucking is way better trucking is way better is way better the, yeah. the biggest one i ever signed before he was with five finger death punch was uh this guy zoltan bathory he was on like a couple of our our mixes that we did but oh nice yeah it was a good time but like that was the awesome thing about freed is that like when you're 25 30 whatever you could come to this industry without much experience you could get in the door you could start being a broker entry coordinator you start learning about insurance or something and you could make a career out of this and it's yeah. very cool to get people when they're even 
younger. So what goes down like at the Chattanooga Young Professionals Council? Yeah, so uh, people will get together. It's a great networking opportunity as well. So you'll have folks who uh, work for trucking companies. Um, you'll have vendors who support trucking companies, freight brokers as well, um, get together, share ideas, what they're working on, things like that. Um, and then also talk about how to uh, engage with area schools. And so who will cover um, speaking engagements, things like that. Uh, the Be Pro, Be Proud movement is something that the Tennessee Trucking Association and the Young Professionals Council are very involved with as well. So I don't know if you've seen the truck, but it's a tractor trailer that's outfitted with um, all of the simulators for uh, professional jobs or trade, trade jobs. Um, and a truck simulator is on that as well. So the Young Professionals Council will go um, in tandem with the Be Pro, Be Proud truck as much as possible um, to do a little do a little recruiting. Which is great, too, because when I was in the office side, it was, it was very rare. You'd get to go in a container or see a truck unless yeah. you, you worked out of a warehouse or a D.C. If you were just in an office doing entries or booking loads, you might never see that stuff. And it becomes a lot yeah. of theory and it becomes sort of abstract where if you can go and reach out and touch freight, you can actually it can be a little bit more more tangible. They call Chattanooga Freight Alley. Why did it take so long to start a council here? Um, I think that having it really established in Nashville and making sure that there was enough interest, you know, you don't want to start a council like that with two or three people. And so the, um, the interest has been off the charts and, um, I think that it'll be really successful here. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's just, we wanted to make sure it was really established in Nashville. Well, it's an opportunity to, to, to feel good, too, to, to, to make a difference in the community. For example, we had you on last time because over Christmas time, you worked with Repower and a few other companies. And, mm -hmm. and you, how much was it? Over $100,000, right? Over, it was $103,000, something like that. So um, the Tennessee Trucking Association in 2019 started um, Holland for the Holidays, which is a transportation-specific toy drive. So... Um, all of the funds stay in Tennessee. It benefits, um, I guess this year, it was seven or eight nonprofits um, that are all in service of children in the state of Tennessee. So um, yes, together with a bunch of trucking companies and freight brokers and vendors who um, support the industry, this year we did raise um, over $100,000 and delivered all the toys. And um, it's a really... It's a really special time of the year. D define young, by the way, for like young professionals. You know counsel. what? I don't want to do that. No. Um, well, <laughs> you know, since the Nashville Council started in 2019, I mean, that was a handful of years ago. And I think that I was, you know, I feel like I'm at the um, close to a graduation point of the Young Professionals Council. But then I remember young is relative. Yeah. Young at heart counts. Anyone who's willing to... Um, hang out with younger people um, and support them in their careers. You know, a big part of this is we have a lot of what we call legacy folks who have been in the industry a long time, whose families have been in the industry a long time. And there's a great opportunity for um, mentorship and fostering those relationships. People who uh, might be newer to the industry, they're, you know, they're, it's transportation. There are bumps in the road. So it's nice to have folks who have been around a little bit longer to you know, answer questions and, you know, support. What's on the slate this year? So either the the, the, the adult version or the young adult version, yeah. <laughs> which one? What kind of events do you have coming down the pike in 24? Okay, yeah. So I know that Southeast in particular has um, their January 25th Top Golf event um, here from 6 to 8 p.m. 
uh, people can get in touch with Matt Nearney at McKee Foods to get signed up for that, or they can always email me and I'll get them to the right spot. Um, I don't have the rest of the calendar in front of me, but of course we will do the toy drive again this year. Um, we always do a fundraiser in the summer that benefits the Tennessee Trekking Foundation, including um, the road team, if anybody is not familiar with the Tennessee Trekking Foundation road team. Um, so yeah, there, there'll be a lot. Well, I'll tell you what, meeting people in this industry in person always takes another level. Online is great, but meeting in person is fantastic. People who want to get involved, they want to join, they want more info, where do I send them? TennesseeTrucking.org, TNTrucking.org, and there's a whole page for the Young Professionals Council. Way okay. to sign up. Jesse, thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you for the Dana. hat. Thanks yeah. for stopping by. Great well, to you're see in Chattanooga. You. Yeah, you have, got a, it. have a safe trip back to Nashville. Thank you. You got it. Take it easy. All right, here's the future of lunch. Hey, Mom, I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. How about lunch? How about two minutes? Okay, two minutes and counting. 120, 119. Mike? How about chicken salad? Ugh. Cheese omelet? Cheese burger. Some french fries and a nice cold bottle of beer. I'll see. I bet John Conrad used to have one of these on his, on his battleships. It doesn't, the thing is like, so I've already seen this video. It doesn't look like he actually got his order. He asked for a cheeseburger and a bottle of beer and french fries. And like, that is not what she served him out of the Star Trek replicator. A society rich in leisure and taken for granted comforts. At the turn of the next century, most food will be stored frozen in individual portions. The computer will keep a running inventory on all foodstuffs and suggest daily menus based on the nutritional needs of the family. When the meal has been selected, the various portions are fed automatically into the microwave oven for a few seconds of de-thawing or warming. Wow. And then at the end of that video, they, they drop an atomic bomb on you to, to, to replicate the damages. Hey, it is Captain John Conrad the Fifth. He's the CEO over at G-Captain, and he has been a leading voice on what's been going on on the water, which there's conflicts all over the place now. It's not even just the Red Sea. John, thank you so much. You've come at a perfect time on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an important topic, and we, you know, we gotta we gotta bring more light to it because this problem is not going away quickly. No, and it's a fast moving target. Like every time, and and you know this too, as as a writer or someone has to go on air, you talk about something, and then you go on like X or Twitter, or you check with your journalist afterwards, and all of a sudden something new has happened. A Somalis have taken over a boat. There's Apache helicopters. Another missile is lost. Someone on X is sharing a fake video of an attack. You know, there's so many moving parts. Can you break it down for us? Where are the conflict regions right now, and what's happening? Right. There are a lot of moving parts and we have our naval experts and we have our shipping experts and there are very few who understand both. So we've been working really uh, closely with the Navy. The, the main hotspot is the uh, Red Sea that, uh, you know, the entrance into the Suez Canal. If you're coming from China, that's where the Houthis are. Um, the, you know, right, right at the corner, uh, right next to Somalia, where, you know, the piracy was 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, they're shooting missiles, they're shooting drones, um, but that's not the only hotspot, as you said. Uh, we have now, we just had an attack um, in, uh, in the 
Gulf of Aden, which is before the Red Sea. There's been a drone attack as far north as uh, off India's coast. Uh, we still have the issues in the Black Sea with Russia and the Ukraine. The uh, U.S. Navy has not gone back into the Black Sea now. Um, and, you know, the eastern Mediterranean with the Israeli war is a concerning area. And then we have other problems with shipping, uh, most notably the drought in Panama, which is restricting the number of ships that go through the Panama Canal. So ships are going around South Africa to avoid the uh, the, the Houthis in the Red Sea. Um, but there are also ships going around Argentina and Chile in South America because of this drought in the Panama Canal. And that's just a, you know, a brief snippet of some of the other problems that are happening around the world right now. The video that's playing is one of the most insane videos ever seen it was one of the the attacks that we first saw right out of the, of the houthi about uh, a few weeks ago uh, john you've been on ships before what do you do in a situation like this where there's all these armed guys who just landed on you with a helicopter well there's not much you you can do um you know people criticize this crew in the beginning saying you know did they not see this helicopter did they not were they not ready because when when these Houthis come on the bridge, it looks like, you know, the, the crew's unprepared. You can bring on um, armed guards. A lot of the ships now are bringing in armed guards to fight against this. But this was really one of the very first aerial attacks on a ship. You know, as ship captains, we don't really pay much attention to what's happening above us. If a helicopter flies over, um, it's not terribly interesting to us uh we we didn't we didn't have missiles raining down uh from above um so this is this is relatively a uh, new problem for us and before this attack with the houthis um you know there there were ships going in particularly american flagships with uh Oh, tankers with OSG overseas group, uh, their ticker symbol OSG, uh, getting rained down by uh, missiles from Hamas. Luckily, in that case, the Iron Dome uh, defeated these missiles. But then with this one, a few weeks later, Galaxy Leader, you had a helicopter land, and this ship is still um, being held hostage by the Houthis. And then we saw the drones, and now we're seeing um, ballistic missiles fired on these ships. So it's it's an escalation of events, and on top of that, uh, you know, you're getting some of the things we think we thought we solved, like the piracy problem this morning. A ship was taken over by pirates. And uh, luckily, the Indian Navy was nearby and the Indian Navy commandos, who are their version of the Navy SEALs, uh, you know, went on the ship and took it back. But uh, like you said, it's 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 something new every single day, something new every single day. Now, you understand this better than anybody. How important is the U.S. presence in these waters and what is Operation Prosperity Guardian? <laughs> Operation Prosperity Guardian, if I'm being honest, is a is a complete mess. Um, you know, the, the question is, you know, with American dominance of the seas since World War II, uh, the U.S. Navy has really been responsible for keeping uh, the peace or at least leading coalitions to pe keep that peace. But we're exiting 20 years of global war on terror. Uh, 
withdrawing from Afghanistan. And in those 20 years, the funding priorities, we spent between six and eight trillion dollars on both Afghanistan and the war in Iraq and terror fight of terrorism around the world. And that was really an army led campaign, uh, you know, backed up by the Air Force. Um, so that's where the funding went in and the funding withdrew from ships and maritime platforms and, you know, maritime expertise. Um, and it's not just in the Navy, but the maritime administration, uh, under secretary Pete Buttigieg is the one who gives alerts to shipping. They've been doing a very poor job. Uh, secretary Pete himself has only tweeted once about these attacks, even though there are us flagships with us merchant mariners on board them who are stuck in the red sea for, for over seven days. So, you know, Historically, if we go back before World War II, each individual Navy protected their own ship. So the French Navy protected theirs and the Danish Navy protected theirs. But after World War II, um, with the Brennan Woods Agreement, you know, uh, U.S. really became the protector of the oceans. And even when we sought alliances like with NATO, uh, the countries underfunded their NATO obligations because they knew America would always be there and have their back. And when they did prioritize, uh, you know, NATO, which very few countries are at their 2% GDP limit, um, they prioritized the army and the air force because that's the threat with Russia in the backyard. And that's where American focus was. So, they, they, they didn't really invest in navies um, with a few exceptions. You know, obviously China has increased their uh, Navy spectacularly. They have more ships than the U.S. Navy has now. Are those ships as capable? We don't know. But they're not participating in this as these, you know, Chinese ships are going through. A Hong Kong ship was hit and Chinese ships are sitting there watching this all, not responding to the distress calls. And then you have France and the UK, which have relatively large nations compared to the rest. Uh, Japan has a, has a very capable um, Navy. You know, they all talked about uh, joining Operation Prosperity Guardian in the beginning Japan eventually said no. South Korea said no. Australia said no because they're very tied up with uh, all the shenanigans China is doing in the South China Sea. They don't want this as a distraction from them. Um, UK came in very strong. Um, France came in originally. But a lot of this Operation Prosperity Guardian is being micromanaged by the National Security Council and the White House, we are told. And there are a lot of political forces uh, you know, coming into this all at once. And it's frustrating uh, you know, naval leaders and other leaders in the Pentagon is what we are hearing. So whenever you have you know, a political entity trying to micromanage an event halfway around the world, it, it doesn't end well. And we supposedly made demands um, that, you know, some of our allies could not keep. Um, like, you know, uh, Australia, South Korea, Japan, sending warships away when they're very much worried about China and North Korea. And then, um, you know, we, we, we came up with this plan of, hey, 
we're going we're gonna to protect all the ships because that's what the United States does. We forget that we have a merchant marine. We forget that it's you know, a constitutional uh, duty of the Navy to protect the U.S. flagged ships. And there are only 85 in the world. And we let these U.S. flagged ships with military supplies for our bases sit there for over a week. And the French got frustrated. The French said, we want to get our ships through. We want to get your ships through. Uh, we want to prioritize the British ships, all the members of this coalition. And then slowly we will start allowing other nations to come in, starting with the NATO allies in the Europe and start bringing this in. And, uh, you know, the, the White House apparently said no to that. France left the coalition. They came, eventually came back in, but they said they're not going to follow uh, American orders. Um, so they're protecting their ships. Uh, CMA CGM is a French owned company. They're prioritizing those ships. Uh, and right now a few other countries like Denmark said, they're going to send one warship. Eventually Canada said they're going to send staff officers, not warships. And, and what we really need here is, is warships dooner. So, um, it's it's not going very well from a political standpoint, an operation, an allied standpoint, and from being able to prevent this from you know new incidents from happening. What is going well is the Navy's ability to shoot down these drones and these you know the the USS Kearney and now um, the Eisenhower Carrier Group is doing a good job at at shooting down these um, missiles and drones, but some are still, some are still getting through and some attacks are still happening. Like this uh, one that the uh, Indian Navy, um, uh, you know, reconciled this morning. Is that going to be like, now that they have to divert the boats are those like, are Somali pirates back on the menu? Are they like, Oh great. All these ships are coming back through our waters to go around the Cape here. Let's go get some Tupac shirts. That, that's the big question. And the big question is who is running this? We know for a fact that Iran is supporting the Houthis. Are they supporting, um, you know, elements in Somalia and elsewhere around the world? You know, some of these uh, attack w was really far away. The uh, missile strike on the Kem Pluto 200 miles off India's coast. Uh, was that an Iranian drone coming all the way from Iran? They have drones that long. It's possible, unlikely. Did it come from the Houthis or did it come from this, you know, hundreds of Iranian or even Chinese fishing boats that are in the region and spread out around the world? We're seeing new types of warfare. I mean, this is the Ukrainian war. I mean, Ukraine, we have you know, the Western world, the United States has given Ukraine plenty of army missiles because that's what we do with this 20 year focus on global war of terror. And we tend to ignore the maritime aspects. So we haven't given them, the, the Ukrainians, the um, naval weapons for far reach. We gave them short range weapons, which they sunk the flagship of the Russian fleet. Um, but these longer range things, they've been on their own and they've been improvising uh, drones, the sea surface drones that go in, a, you know, explosive jet skis that, uh, you know, ram into the Russian ships to aerial drones, um, which is good for Ukraine. We want that. We want them to protect their waters. But unfortunately, the malign actors around the world are seeing what happens. And, and there's there's copycat crime, as we saw with the Somali piracy. As we clamped down in Somalia, you started seeing uh, copycats in Indonesia, in Nigeria, around the world. We had the capacity then to go in and, you know, solve these problems around the world. But 
Now we really don't with watching Russia and the Black Sea, problems in the Mediterranean, problems in the South China Sea. We just don't have enough warships to be everywhere. And our allies in uh, the Pacific are focused on all the shenanigans the Chinese are doing and the North Koreans are doing and and don't want to be distracted. And our allies in, in NATO and Canada and such have, have under underspent um, for such a long time on, on naval assets. Um, they, they're, there really isn't much naval excess capacity to handle this. And by the way, going back to the main point is the, the politics behind this are, are extreme and we're not, you know, the, this coalition is falling apart politically. Well, yeah, I mean, look, there's there's people chanting in New York recently, Yemen, Yemen, turn that ship around. There's sort of a misconception. I see this comment under your tweets all the time. I see it on our Freight Waves articles. I see people say it, and then they go, only ships with connections to Israel are attacked. Is that true? No, shipping is extremely uh, divided, and, you know, a, a ship owner like Merce may own a ship, but each individual ship is in an individual LLC. They'll have different crewing managers, different owners, different flags of register. A lot of these are registered by Panama, Liberia, Marshall Islands, which don't have navies to protect their ships, right? Um, insure, they might have a hull insurance in, in one country, a p insurance in another country, um, and they may have cargo from a dozen countries. And you know, so all this tied together, I mean, you could tie almost every ship in the world back to Israel at, at some point, whether it's cargo movement or insurance or anything else, as you could tie it back to almost any country. Um, and, and the Houthis are looking and they're trying to target Israeli backed ships, but, um, you know, they very loose connections in some cases, in some cases, there really isn't a good connection. Um, MSC, the largest uh, flag carrier in the world, container shipping company in the world. Uh, one of the owners is married to a to an Israeli woman. We think that might be why they're they're targeting it. We're we're not sure. We don't have a clear sense of what the Houthi intentions are. We do know a few things that they're targeting the higher value cargo and they're not targeting um, oil tankers, which is extremely good news for the environment. We don't want to spill there. And we assume that the Houthis don't want to spill in their backyard. And if they did attack oil tankers, it would uh, have uh, you know far lasting implications on the price of oil and geopolitical stability and could get ugly quick. Could they don't seem to be doing more. that. They seem to be. I was going to say, could piss off more people. Yeah, and then we'll obviously don't want oil all right. over all over their people. But John, is this good for business? Right, these Black Swan events they've typically tended to help shipping right now. And if you look at the rates right now, I have a chart. It shot up like a rocket. I know you mentioned Panama Panama Canal as well, but uh, do you guys get the rates? Boop. Maybe they don't. All right, maybe they'll find them. Anyways, is this good for business? For if you're a shipping company, uh, if you're a carrier, yes, it's excellent for business. And uh, you know, we've seen this disconnect with Wall Street. Um, you know, everyone in the shipping world was looking at Zim tankers, and it, it went hot, 
really high, really fast. And then Merce said that they were going to resume journeys and the stock prices of companies like uh, Zim, ZIM and Danos, DAC and Merce itself kind of went sideways for a while. And now they're, you know, Wall Street's picking up on the fact that these freight rates are, are going through the roof. And there was a lot of excess capacity um, back in COVID when we the the rates skyrocketed up to you know sometimes twenty thirty thousand dollars a container, and these carriers made a lot of money, and they've taken that money and they put a lot of that money into building new ships. So we have new ships coming online this year, and there are a bunch of other factors, as you guys have reported well. The freight recession has reduced volumes, um, so container prices you know went down to you know uh, China to, to the west coast uh, about a thousand dollars now now they're peaking up to, to three thousand they're not going to the levels that we saw during the port congestion uh in covid because these ships are still moving but the the prices are going up very high and this is the season beginning of january where a lot of the annual rates are renegotiated so um, yes, the, the the shipping companies are are profiting from this. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of analysts, the stock analysts are saying, well, yes, they're profiting, but the costs are going up too. The additional cost of the uh, fuel uh, to go around Africa and, uh, you know, danger pay. We've seen Maersk offer danger pay to uh, mariners going through the Red Sea. Yes, those costs are going up, but they're being passed on to the consumer with fees. So as freight rates goes up, uh, you know, income goes up and a lot of these costs are being uh, directly subsidized by the, uh, the beneficial cargo owners. Is the Panama Canal bones like it went from a few months ago, we were talking about the low water levels and how that was causing everyone to wait. But now everyone's talking about like, oh, the Panama Canal is not even good enough anymore. It can't fit these bigger ships. We got to we got to make drastic measures over there. What's going on there? They're running out of water, and then people blame climate change and, and, and a number of other factors, and some of it's just bad luck having got the rain that they expected. But you see, there, there's such sea blindness, there's such underreporting in this industry that people don't realize the historical record. Again, the world has been focused on this global war on terror and the economic story and geopolitical, you know, globalization story. They've ignored shipping because it has been so efficient the last 20 years. But Panama had a relatively narrow canal that was built back by Teddy Roosevelt, and it was owned by the U.S. Jimmy Carter gave that canal back to uh, Panama, um, and you know it could not as shipping has increased the size of ships has increased drastically and these mega ships uh that the likes of uh, Maersk really uh, like for economies of scale uh, could not fit in that canal so china made a deal with nicaragua to build a new canal in nicaragua that was going to be you know uh partially chinese owned and um you know profit from these larger ships not only larger container ships but also these bulkers from uh, brazil that are bringing a mass amount of resources to china so the panama canal decided they're, they're going to build a new canal they're going to use the same lake um as the old canal so New Canal and Old Canal ships pass each other in the middle in Gatun Lake. But this larger lock system could accommodate 
bigger ships. Problem is with bigger ships, you're displacing more water and you're using more water from the lake. So this canal was, bigger canal was put in really to prevent uh, Nicaragua from, you know, uh, taking over this, uh, you know, a map, these fees from Panama and Chinese influence. Well, now there isn't enough water, you know, for both canals. So they have to, um, they have to reduce the number of ships that can go through and how much draft those ships can, can carry. They can't carry as much heavy material as they did before. There were also problems in construction when they constructed this new canal. They, they really hurried the process. Um, so you saw major cracks in it up to a year right before opening. So it was, it was kind of a rush job and it wasn't well thought through. And even though they had problems, they said, we're going to push this anyway to prevent China from getting a foothold in Nicaragua and this new canal. And now we're seeing uh, these problems spread out. So there, there is no easy fix. If we were going to fix this and get, you know, canals that would, uh, you know, be more conservative of water would cost, you know, Bloomberg just had an article, it could cost 10 years and billions of dollars to, to fix the problem. But there, there's no easy, easy fix here unless we get, you know, uh, significant rain. Wow. John, there's so, so many moving parts. Uh, everyone out there, make sure you check out G-Captain. You check out John Conrad on Twitter. You follow uh, Sal Mercagliano. He brings a lot of clarity to this. And of course, our own GM journalist, Greg Miller over here. John, thank you so much. I mean, there, there's, I, I'm sure there'll be something new when I get off air in this situation that I'll, I'll have to read about. But thank you for giving us some clarity on what's happening right now. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Tim. An important topic, not getting enough attention, I think. And I, I appreciate you guys. And, you know, Craig Fuller getting I just saw him on Bloomberg right before I got on. So I, we appreciate you guys uh, helping get the story out there. Well, I'll have you on a bunch and, and sell as this conflict goes on so we can, we can give that and shine a light on it. Thank you so much again for your time. Thank you, Dina. Take it easy. All right, everybody, it's Friday. So before you send you home, a little good news, bad news. Oh, they don't have it. Little good news, bad news. I'm like, little smash. Good news, bad news, little smashing. But a bump bump. All right, let's do it. Do you have the first video? You got the f- good news. You're a German farmer. Bad news. You're a German farmer. Ava Vlederbrook, she says, I'll be traveling to Berlin next week as the German farmers have announced they will launch a protest larger than the country has ever seen on Monday, January 8th. Multiple Farmers Association, the Driver Trainers Union, and the trucking industry have announced to be mobilizing against the federal government's plan to cancel for agricultural diesel, cut vehicle tax exemptions, and increase truck tolls and carbon taxes. Green agenda coming to Germany. German farmers not happy about it. I'm excited. I'm interested. I don't know if excited is the right word. Interested to see what happens on uh, on Monday. We'll all be watching. Um, good news, you can take your 30, and there's no one at the fuel island, so you leave their truck there. Bad news, the truck next to you has set on fire. Take a look at this. And this poor guy, he's like the digger in the Suez Canal with his little fire extinguisher trying to put this inferno out, and he's not really getting it done. The other guy there, like, he must, the guy in the white truck, he must be, like, inside of the pilot or taking a shower or just sleeping in his camp. He's not reacting at all to this situation with the blaze going right next to him. That or he's calm as hell. Under fire. I don't know. I think I'd back up and call the professionals at that point, especially if all I had was a, a fire extinguisher. You could put out some fire maybe with 40 ounces of water. Stanley, 
the Today Show. Were you guys in line for this at Target? The Today Show reports, you guys got these clips. The Today Show reports on January 3rd, Stanley, the company behind the viral, unbreakable 40-ounce double walled. And here's one of the things. This video right here, a car went on fire. One of those Stanley tumblers was inside of it. And, like, there's still ice water inside. This is moving units. Well, they put out a, a winter pink is the color. Winter pink. Uh, <laughs> winter pink tumbler in collaboration with Target stores. Um, it says, for the launch of Starbucks winter menu on January 3rd, Starbucks and Stanley collaborate on an exclusive limited edition pink Starbucks cross Stanley quencher available in Starbucks stores at Target locations in the U.S. This thing is $50. If you don't want to spend $50 on one of these things, just get a job in freight like me. People send you tumblers all the time. It may not be the Stanley one, but a Yeti's just as damn good. What do I need a Stanley for? I bet that straw gets gross as anything, too. Is Rachel Premack in line to get one of those? No, she's not. She was actually ahead of the curve. She tweeted like months ago about this one. I got a great missing cat story, but you know what? I'm going to have to save that for Monday. Because we're out of time. You hear the music. Keyboard cats playing me out. Got a big meeting coming up here at Freightways, uh, like right after this at 2. We're all excited to tune into that one. You guys won't get to hear it. Maybe I'll tell you what happened. Find me on Twitter, at Timothy Dooner. Find the show at FW What the Truck. Look this up uh, on YouTube. You want to watch the video version, Freightways YouTube. Got a whole playlist. Or if you like it on audio, look us up on podcast players everywhere. Hey, take care. Don't be a stranger.